on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. We talked about a slew of cool new Microsoft advertising. The platform formerly known as Bing Ads. Features. We talked about ranking changes with Google's nofollow links. Shep started her own new super hip publishing platform aimed for world domination. And Greg wasn't impressed with a new kidfluencer in the news. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. We record live every Friday from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Join us each week for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. And I'm Christine Zernheld. A.K.A. Shop. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on September 13th, 2019. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news shows each and every Friday morning. We read all the news. So you don't have to. And if you want to follow along with us, just check out our show notes. Head over to marketingoclock.com for all the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Yep, we've got a lot of news here this week. Yes, we do. And the first one comes from Google, and it pertains to SEOs specifically. And there's been a big change to no follow. First off, Nofollow links can now be used in ranking. And second off, there are new types of link attributes, UGC and sponsored. So that might have gone right over your head, but don't worry. I'm going to quickly explain how we got to where we are today because it actually matters to people. So what? let's go through what is a nofollow link. I think you mean what was, RIP in peace. Okay, so what was a nofollow link? And if we take it back to the earliest days of Google, say 2002, 2003, pre-IPO, Google had risen to power because they had a better algorithm. People used Google because it was better than Yahoo or Dogpile or Lycos <laughs> or any of these other sites. It was a better product. And instead of looking at just the content on the page, Google really pioneered different ranking signals and factors, right? So mm -hmm. if you've got links coming in, that's a big signal. It's a vote of popularity. It's a, a positive for a website. So links mattered. Anytime I say Google, something about Google, <laughs> my assistant just starts talking. That's what it's supposed to I do. Hope, I, hope, I hope she doesn't know I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to trash her here. <laughs> I'm not really, ears, not really, Google. not really. So Matt, links mattered then, and they still do now. You're following the importance of a link. Yes. So then people saw that links matter and spam became rampant, right? You'd see people commenting on every blog post with blog spam and linking back to their crappy website, <laughs> you know, with some really keyword rich anchor text because it was a link and that was something that mattered. This clearly was bad. But what you can never do is take away links because that's helpful for users, for everybody, right? If you are a good commenter and people might want to learn more about you or who you are, you can click through and go there and get more information. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing. So you can't just get rid of links. So Google made something called the no follow link attribute. And this was mainly made to combat spam comments back in 2005. And people would use it as well for things that were paid because Google had a crusade against paid links because it messed with their algorithm, right? It, you're trying to be manipulative towards your rankings. So what the nofollow link ended up doing is stopping the flow of page rank or, or value from one site to another. 
and it halted any crawling or indexing purpose of this link. So you could say, hey, I saw this over here. I don't really know anything about it. I don't want to pass any value. I don't want to, to say that I'm part of this. I'm going to put a nofollow attribute on my link and I don't pass any value out to this person. Mm -hmm. Or same thing, somebody commented on this post. I don't want to give them value. I don't want them to keep trying to hammer me with spam by trying to get value. Make sense? Yes. So then nofollow basically evolved a little bit here and, and we're going to get to it in a minute. But you, any link that you didn't vouch for, you could use this on. And then we're going to, I'm going to table it for now when we talk about the changes. Then we're going to come back to this evolution. All right. Well, follow? I feel like I'm at your TED talk right now. This is, this would be the most disappointing <laughs> TED talk ever. This is like a Theodore talk. Just <laughs> a total, total square. Okay. So now the tables have turned. September 10th, Google has announced that they will use nofollow links in ranking. However, they won't use it for crawling or indexing until March 1st, 2020. And so are you with me? Yes. Yeah, so far I'm here. Okay. No follow used to not be a ranking. It would not pass value. Now it will. It's considered a hint, a hint, <laughs> a hint. Okay. That's not like a technical. <laughs> no, it's very, te very technical. Look it up. Duck, duck, go in. So you have a choice. Now, you can use the new attributes, sponsored or UGC, or you can stay using RHEL nofollow. UGC, user-generated content. User-generated content. And Google doesn't care what you use. You can do nothing to your nofollow links, or you can change them if you want to be more granular, right? You've got a paid sponsorship. You can use sponsored. Okay, so I just explained it to you, Shep. So what should you use? I don't know. Is anybody? <laughs> Nobody's telling me. Google honestly says, do what you want. So if you've got all these links no followed and you don't want to do the work, just leave them. Danny Sullivan on his at Danny Sullivan Twitter account stated that the two new attributes are, a voluntary are, are voluntary choices for those who find it useful to be more granular. And they went on to say, use them, don't, it's a choice. So if I were a betting man, and I am, <laughs> I would say that in the year 2024, We'll be using these for the most part. They make way more sense. If you don't want to pass value for some reason, you have an actual reason for the most part why you don't want that value to go to a different site. 99.9% mm -hmm. of nofollow links probably fall within either being a sponsored or an ad or that it's blog spam and or user-generated content that you don't necessarily vouch for. There's a few cases that are becoming more prevalent. Again, I'm going to get to that in a second. To me, it makes more sense. If I were Google, I would want more information about what the link is for and why I should consider it differently. Mm -hmm. So I think down the road, it will make more sense to say that it's sponsored or that is user-generated user content instead of just using no follow for everything. Moving forward, I probably will keep everything as is because making that change is difficult. But anything moving forward, if it's sponsored... I'll use sponsored. Mm -hmm. that, that's fine. I like that. User-generated content. WordPress seems to be moving that direction. Look for it in the next update. That makes sense as well. One other caveat, I think that Baidu still uses nofollow as not passing any value. You might have to uh, Baidu that yourself <laughs> to, to, to see. Um, so if you are really into Baidu, to keep no following your your no follows, I guess. <laughs> and then, lastly, you can use more than one value. 
So if it's a user-generated oh ad, you can no-follow a sponsored UGC if you're a total psycho. This could get really messy really fast. Yeah, well, hopefully it's at least only those three. Okay, so I'm going to go reach back on the table and talk about how we got to this spot. Okay. The spot's been defined. We've got a few new attributes. So how do we get there? Seems like no-follow was working just fine, right? Yeah. Wrong. <laughs> there was a big problem. And we talked about it in episode 82 where Martin McDonald at Search Martin on Twitter had talked about the fact that there is not any real value for publishers, let's say, or webmasters in general to make to, to not just no follow everything, right? And his example was that he had thousands of, of articles created by writers each day, and some people are out there selling links off. And to stop it, his thought process was, hey, let's do a site-wide no-follow. We're not going to pass any value out there, and therefore, we're not going to be selling links, and we're going to be on the straight and narrow with Google. That is not the case. And so this turns into an issue now for Google, where now you're not passing any value to anyone. That's not how their algorithm works. That's not how they rank things. So this is still totally fine for users. Anybody on, on a site like this, will have no different experience. It's all you know within the code itself and within the specific link. But for Google, now they stop seeing ranking signal. Did you follow me? Yes. No follow. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> Do I follow. follow. Do follow. <laughs> if the entire web starts no following everything, Google has two options really. One, you can start using no follows is hints, like like they chose to. Do you know what the other option would be? Run away. <laughs> Pretty much fix your search engine. That's yeah, another option. Could you could fix your search engine. Maybe buy more data. Maybe team up, use your Twitter data more. Maybe use your browser data. Maybe use analytics data. Use other information other than just links instead of forcing these links and these attributes on people. That's another option too. Google didn't choose that option though. Okay, so... Now, Shep, I'm going to run through a hypothetical <laughs> scenario just to show how we got here and show why I think this could be a big problem. Mm -hmm. It's 2018. No follows are doing fine. You own Shep Publishing, the world's number one source of user-generated oh. content in very niche verticals, specifically Taylor Swift, oh. Murder, She Wrote, <laughs> and a QVI HSN combo blog that's going bananas. Wow. Okay. What a world. Yes. Your writers publish thousands of articles a day. It takes time to vet each writer before you fire them. So <laughs> you have to see multiple instances when you think something might be sponsored before you can actually make a case to fire them. Mm -hmm. Some paid links might stay up. And in an effort to combat this, you take your entire network and you no-follow every link. You're not passing value any longer. But users can still go, follow those links, and get on to where the writer wanted them to go to to further the story. Mm -hmm. This is great for everyone but Google because they don't have those factors that make their algorithm work. They don't have link value being passed. So now it's September 13th, 2019. You implemented that site-wide no-follow and it stopped people from selling links on your properties. You're sitting pretty. You're content. You even just launched an all-new popular blog, the number one blog about the Duggars. <laughs> You're riding high, and all of a sudden, Google makes this change. You look, and you see 
There are emails going out. People are, again, trying to sell links onto your site. You don't like the look of it. All the different authors you've hired are back at it again. Oh, gosh. You don't have no follow. You don't have sponsored. You don't have UGC to cut back these hints. What do you do? Um, after I ran away, I would probably... <laughs> could you just say no links on your site at all? Not, none allowed? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you're trying to stop people from doing these things that are only bad against Google's guidelines, you would say, hey, no more links. But that's not going to be good for Google That's either. what people are doing already. You're yeah. already seeing that even before this is implemented because people don't want to get in trouble. Now, you're, everything's going to be a hint. You're going to break the internet. <laughs> They're not going to be, people aren't going to link. What, what, why would you ever allow people to link They're, your writers? You, you say, wouldn't. no, I don't want to get in trouble for this. I don't know this. I can't vouch for this. Fix your algorithm. What are we even doing here? <laughs> like, fix your stuff instead of forcing this on webmasters everywhere. Th that, that's my bigger problem. I, just, I like the sponsor. I like the, all this stuff. Ooh. My brain is just my brain, it, I'm, yeah. I'm malfunctioning. Don't count links so much. Yeah, this isn't going to fix it, so they need to figure it out. If you thought there was lots of spam before, just wait. Buckle your seatbelts. Buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to forecast what's going to happen. And those, those, those sites that no follow and everything, there's just going to be no links. You're going to look at these articles. All the links are just going to be internal links just churning right inside. There's going to be, it's, you're going to break the internet. Armageddon. Yikes. Shut up. Save me, please. You got any good news over there? I do have some good Thanks. news. <laughs> so we have some exciting news from Microsoft Advertising. The platform formerly known as Bing It. So this week, if you haven't already heard, Microsoft launched responsive search ads, and they're now open in beta. If you'd like to join the open beta, there's a form that you can fill out. We'll link to it in the show notes. I submitted the form. I haven't heard back on any of the accounts we submitted it for. How rude. I know. How rude. So I haven't actually tried this, but um, if you're not using these in Google already, you should know they allow you to provide 15 headlines, four descriptions, and Microsoft will test the different combinations automatically identifying winners for you and they'll automatically show the better performing ads. Okay. And do you recommend this as well? Yes. Okay. And why? It's great because like I just said, they'll automatically test the ads. You don't have to set up different at different ETAs for all of your different ideas. It'll test it for you and automatically show the winner. But there's one downside on Google that from this article, it sounds like Microsoft might be doing a better job. Oh yeah. So in the article, they say, you should monitor performance through the combination report page, which Google doesn't really have. They'll show you how the ad performs overall, but not necessarily individual assets. You can only mm -hmm. usually see impression data and not combinations either, just for the individual assets. And that's been super annoying because you can't apply the learnings from your responsive search ads to any of your other ads. So hopefully they have more robust reporting and Google can follow suit because that sounds like it could be awesome. Yes. I, I, I love the day where Google can just rip a feature, right, from Microsoft advertising. Definitely. Love it. All right. And some positive news, I think, from Google on the organic side relates to Google News. Google has been rolling out updates to its ranking algorithms to give more preference to stories that were the original source. And I love this. Me too. 
met so many times, especially in Discover, you find these articles that were just regurgitated, regurgitated. It's like a telephone game. And Google's trying to remedy that, which is great. So original reporting will not only rank better in Google search, but also in Google News and Google Discover. So kudos. This is a really helpful thing. Google's talking about this change because of two reasons. The first is that the quality rater guidelines were updated and there were specific items around original reporting. And then second, this has already been in play, apparently. So it's, the algorithms have been out there um, over the past few months, not a specific timeline. Again, it seems like from Google's test, they like it. So hopefully we get more original news and you don't get these aggregators just eating everybody's traffic. And hopefully it helps people actually invest more in original reporting, yeah. too. That's Especially when there's, like, a big trending story and you just want to find it right away. And yeah. before it's all these, like, other people reporting on the original report, it's so frustrating. And it's a land grab. It's a land grab mm-hmm. to see who can get the most traffic off of something. In reality, hey, person A already had it over there. What you need to do is credit them, cite them, and then have your own take on it and hopefully provide value like we do right here. Marketingtheclock.com. So I have news from Cora this week. Cora is getting more visual, expanding images on the platform, including for ads to full width. So if you look at the before and after screenshots of image ads that are included in the article, this change is really drastic. Before the images were just these little thumbnails and text overlay wouldn't really make sense in them for ads at all. But now that's definitely something that folks can test out and see if text if test overlay works really well here. And because Cora is so text heavy, it really stands out on the page to have an image there. And that as is scrolling. That is the understatement of the year. <laughs> that's like saying LeBron James is good at basketball. Yeah. So I guess they're Cura, trying to get away from that. Cura looks like an Encyclopedia Britannica, like a, a Merriam-Webster dictionary. Mm-hmm. You look at that, and, and they mix ads in really well too, because it's like a slightly bolder ad. I was looking at a few things coming up on our shooting the heck after show on Cura, and I was like. These all, it's just, it's just like a library. I'm like in a, it's like reading the Dewey Decimal System yeah. every time you're on Cura. I think Cora should get a dark mode too. Yeah. It's a lot to read. Yes. They should have a meme mode too, where every answer could just be in a meme. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? That'd be great. Okay. And I'm going to finish positive here. Positive on the Google Your tone side. is so different than it was five minutes ago. I just don't want the internet broken. Nobody does. We're not going to have links, Shep. You, you're, you're turning me dark. You turned this dark mode on right now. I'm sorry. Just keep it light. Keep it light. Okay. We're going back to daytime mode here. Google is offering more choices for automated bidding strategies. And this is something I personally love. If you're a listener, you can put earmuffs on because this is something I say all the time. Not every conversion is created equal. And with manual bidding... With enhanced CPC, Google will try to bid up or down to, to try to get more conversions. But now there's a new option. You can optimize for conversions, and you can optimize for conversion value, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Because if you're Amazon, the price of socks, a pair of socks, is very different than a microphone for a podcast. It's a very different... The, the value you get back is very different. The ROAS is going to be different. Everything's different on that. So the ability you can do now with enhanced CPC is continue to bid for conversions or now optimize for conversion value, which is amazing. Yes. So 
Look for that in an account near you. Next up, Amazon will now let anyone answer your Alexa questions. That sounds like a horrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) Amazon is launching a new program called Alexa Answers, which lets anyone field answers to questions for which Alexa does not already have a response. Wait, did the title that you said a minute ago, did it say horrible in there? That That was some wisdom. Okay. Just imparted. Okay. (laughs) Not biased at all. Yeah, not at all. So unlike their biggest competitor, Google Assistant, Amazon is not a search engine and they don't have billions of pages indexed. So Alexa gets most of her answers from sources licensed by Amazon and they use machine learning to find the best answer. But now they're trying to fill in some of the gaps with crowdsourcing. I just think if they already have so many issues with bad reviews, how are they going to manage this? Okay. So I'm going to go opposite. Really? It it is initially going to be a terrible idea. Initially, everybody's going to come in. Everybody's going to try to do the the lowest common denominator, answer as many things as possible, just like you saw with reviews. Amazon has been cracking down on reviews really bad. They they have. Do you, do you think they haven't? I, they still have the reputation, though. I, I, I agree. But the fines that they're dishing out for fake reviews are substantial. And I think now when you saw Cura back in the day, speak of the, the devil from the last, <laughs> the last news story, there was an opportunity there to to go after and answer questions really, really well. You got that traffic to your answer if there was a link there, um, if there was links to you know maybe a bunch of other resources and something you owned or some just even the resources. So if you have good answers, this could be really beneficial. Like if you could get in there early as a marketer and you can answer all these questions on Alexa and become the default answer or get voted up. The problem is when people don't try. It's like a plague of the world, of everything, where people just don't try. But if you go in there and you say, hey, I'm going to make the best possible answers for Alexa, I like it, right? You can you can answer better than what Alexa can give you on some stuff. I just don't, I can't picture myself trusting it if it said it was a user-generated answer. But I guess we could get to that place. I get it, but like, like let's saying. say you hear it and it breaks it down and it cites sources and it cites everything and it's a great answer and then there's a link at the end yeah i guess okay well hey you're kind of winning me over here look at that (laughs) all right well that ends our news maybe the longest news segment here of 2019 and it brings us to this week's take of the week this is a saucy hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you and wait for it here, folks. This week we have the second ever takeoff where we pit the takes of four different digital marketers against each other. And Shep, you're the judge. You're okay. the jury. And you're going to choose the best take of the week. And the theme here is no follow. The first take this week comes from fan of the show, friend of the show, Glenn Gabe. And he had a tweet that says, I propose that Google introduces... <laughs> The shrug follow for site owners that are unsure which attribute to use or if they should use one at all. Example, cross-link heavily to your network of 50 sites. Rel equals shrug follow. And he's got emojis of people shrugging. They're really cute. (laughs) Second, former guest on Marketing Clock, John Henshaw, at Henshaw on Twitter. He just had a tweet that said, Rel equals... (laughs) 
Rel equals ugh. <laughs> okay. Third, I was just doing some searching. I saw this. I, I liked it. It was from, from Amen Luki. Lukal, I guess, one of the two. And he said, one week later on LinkedIn, we provide high DA, well-balanced backlinks, 30% do follow, 30% no follow, 20% UGC, and 10% sponsored. Smile emoji, smile emoji, hashtag SEO life. <laughs> and obviously that's for Shots these link fired. sellers out there. And then lastly, it comes from Marie Haynes. We're going to do a meme here live. And I showed Shep this meme disclaimer ahead of time. And she said, is that dog the bounty hunter? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the Tuttles from Orange County Choppers. I'm sorry. And I... then she's like, is that the is that the guy from West, Co- West Coast Choppers? Which is like. Is there a difference? Yeah, it's Jesse James. He's like the number one welder in the world. He's a big welder. Wasn't he? He married Sandra Bullock. I was just going to. Okay, I knew okay. that. They have like matching rain jackets. <laughs> okay. Man, I got to go over to Shep Publishing more often. <laughs> All right. So first, the first scene, Paul Sr. <laughs> Paul Sr. Rel equals sponsored and Rel equals UGC is a choice. Is that his voice? Yeah. They just scream at each other all the time. Second frame, we have to optimize everything as SEOs. And this Paulie Jr. <laughs> So they're father son. Yeah. Okay. Third scene, Paul Senior. You don't have to change anything! Exclamation! Exclamation! Fourth <laughs> scene, Paul Junior flipping a chair over. <laughs> then why give us the option? I didn't even realize that was a chair. <laughs> yeah. Last scene, Paul Senior yelling and pointing to help us understand your site better. All right, and that was the fourth one. So we had oh the, my God. Con- contestants in takeoff. Glenn Gabe with the shrug follow, John Henshaw with Rel equals UG, and Amen with the sales pitch for the link seller, now including sponsored and UGC. And lastly, Marie Haynes with the Tuttle meme. And you can go to Marketing Clock to see the meme. It was way better than what okay, I just I did. I really, this is such a hard decision. I love the emoji of the girl shrugging. Her face is just so <laughs> relatable. Um, and that's what I was thinking before I heard um, this West Coast joke. <laughs> it's not West Coast. It's not Jesse James. There's no raincoats here. Uh, it's it's really good. And even though I don't know the show, I think I got to give it to Marie. Okay. So, Marie, congrats. We need to get an award here. Um, but, Marie, you are the... Take <laughs> I off didn't it was a chair. Yeah. It's like right in the front of the frame. All right, so head over to Marketing Clock and see what Marie gifted us all. And that brings us to this week's lightning round. At this point in the show, we split up our content into two parts paid and non paid. I cover everything to do with advertising, aka paid, and Greg covers the organic. AKA non paid. Here's what's happening in the paid universe this week. First up, you'll remember that we reported a couple of weeks ago that Google was switching all search and shopping campaigns using accelerated delivery and it was going to change them to standard delivery. We have like five days left, right? No. Oh. You can relax a little bit, Greg. Okay, good. Because <laughs> originally this change was supposed to take place on September 17th, but this week they announced that they were postponing this much-anticipated change that was laced with heavy sarcasm. Can I can I say something here? How about you give us March 1st, 2020? I was going to say 20-never. Like <laughs> oh, I like that, too. 
Just give me some time. They're trying to do it so fast. Though. Yeah. So they announced that they're postponing it now until October 7th. So we can wait a little bit longer. But also, it's coming. I get messages in my accounts that still say October 1st. Well, I swear when I first looked at this article, it said October 14th and then it changed to October 7th. I, I, I just looked it up right now. I have another October 1st in there. So who knows, folks? Yeah, they can't who figure knows? it out over there. And next up, Facebook is testing two new ad features. So first, advertisers will now have the ability to turn organic shopping posts on Instagram by Facebook into targeted ads. I don't know what Instagram by Facebook is. I know Instagram from Facebook. Instagram formerly, wait, Instagram by Facebook, the platform formerly known as Instagram? Yes, exactly. (laughs) So you can now turn shopping posts on Instagram by Facebook into targeted ads. Eventually, they plan to add an Instagram checkout feature to these ads as well, which brings me to the next part of this. Facebook is now testing an in-app checkout for dynamic newsfeed ads. So users will be able to see a product on an ad and then purchase it without ever leaving the Facebook app. It just sounds kind of scary. It makes me think of that handprint checkout that we talked about from Amazon. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest question I'd have is similar to what you had with Amazon. If Facebook can deliver things on time quickly, then that's cool. If Facebook sucks at delivery yeah then this is awful like facebook isn't the brand you're buying from so how can you trust right that you really know what you're dealing with is like drop shipping like how do you know it gets delivered to the right spot is Mm -hmm. it like amazon where they take a a creepy picture of the package at your door like how do how are they doing it and how can you possibly get all the information you need on the facebook app and then are you going to sell this to somebody about what i'm (laughs) struggling so we'll have to wait and see on that one Next up, Microsoft Advertising now identifies negative keyword conflicts in shopping campaigns, and Google still can't identify them for search campaigns. That was another little add-on to the headline there. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, wow, <laughs> feisty over there at Search Engine Journal. So the new product negative keyword conflicts report can be accessed from within the product ad section of the reports tab. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. And I, there are workarounds, and it's, if you've got the keyword and you've got a conflict in negative terms... It, your ad will still show, but let me know these things. And Bing, I, wow, look at that. The platform Micro- formerly known as Bing. Microsoft Advertising, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I just think Google needs to jump on this train. Like M- Microsoft has had the negative keyword conflict report for search ads, and Google still doesn't have it. And I feel like it could help them make more money if more people were aware of conflicts they have. I'm telling you, it's catch-up time. That's the theme yeah. of the week. Figure it out, Google. And finally, Google is implementing first price ad auctions as the standard as of September 10th. They announced in March that they were testing this, but they're now fully rolling it out and we can expect every auction to be first price. So before, if you were the winning bid on a Google ads auction, it was considered a second price auction and you didn't pay what your actual bid was. You paid one penny more than the second place bid. Mm -hmm. But now it's more what we think of a standard auction, the winning bid wins and you better be ready to pay whatever you bid. And I was just retaking my Google ads assessments. And I remember them talking about, you know, the auction process. And I was confused. And I have a little hypothesis here. Okay. I'm not psychic, but I bet that question will still be on the test next year. I've got a question for you. (laughs) A, A, answer is yes. B, how many times did they call Google ads, Google AdWords in your test? Oh, a lot. At least 50%. (laughs) It's insane. It's insane. It's insane that they make people take that. And I tweet them all the time. 
and I'll, I'm gonna have to retake a bunch of stuff, and I am gonna tweet everything out that they get wrong in their tests that they force everybody to take. I know. I I love the screenshots. We should just make a new channel for that in Slack. Yes, Google ad screenshots. Wrong on the test. Yes. Just train them <laughs> on how to make training. Yes. That's all for paid. Over to you, Greg. All right. This week in non-paid, Facebook is making its own deep fakes and offering prizes for detecting them. Chef, I read this title over at TechCrunch, and I thought, hey, let's get the don't do this department on the case. <laughs> that you don't make your own deep fakes and offer prizes. I read the article, and it's, it actually makes sense. They're trying to use machine learning and whatever to detect deep fakes. And so they have $10 million in resources. That's, yeah. Hey, I could look. They, they could hire me for maybe like $9 million and I could look at the example they gave, and I'll be like, hey, that's a deep fake. <laughs> did you look at the example in the article? I didn't. It's I fell into fake. a hole of Nick Cage deep fakes instead. Oh, okay. <laughs> And that seems like a, a pretty nice hole to fall into. <laughs> but anyway, they're trying to, to, to combat deep fakes before it becomes so prevalent and, and come up with software. And, and this is actually great. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Facebook. Next up, YouTube is launching a new vertical called YouTube Fashion. And YouTube Fashion, you can get there by going to youtube.com forward slash fashion. And it aims to capitalize on the popular style and beauty content that attracts millions of viewers to its platform. Yeah. Beauty's really big. I didn't know fashion was that big, but it it was also New York Fashion Week this week, so I suspect yeah. that had something to do with it. There's a lot of goofy looking trends when I went yeah. there. What are you going to watch about fashion on YouTube? I, I don't know. I, I didn't like the fact that when you get there, there this could be something for TV screens that mm -hmm. would make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Using YouTube on a, a television screen. I use it with, with Amazon, uh, Amazon Fire. It can be a little bit wonky, but it's really nice. Yeah. And then if you've got these different channels out there and you can browse and it makes it easier, I really like that. So I think that there is a lot of potential there, not just for fashion, but for other stuff too. All right. This next article piggybacks off what we talked about before with Ron Nofellow, but it comes from the Yoast blog, yoast.blog. Google's robot changes the web and the law. And in my tirade earlier, I don't know if I mentioned that Google is now also considering the meta no follow tag. Let's try to get everything right here. It's a lot. I just put that all out of my brain and I had to bring it right back in. So they're considering they're, they're now considering that a hint. So you used to also say on a page hey, don't follow anything on this page. I don't know. I, I don't vouch for it. And now you can't do that. It seemed like an afterthought if you look at the tweets. Mm -hmm. Gary over at Google said that their, um, the Meta robots no follow is a hint now, like RHEL no follow. So that wasn't an initial announcement. It came out after. And then Danny also backed that up on his at Danny Sullivan Twitter handle saying that if you use no index in a Meta tag, we still won't index the page. But if you use no follow in a Meta tag, they will not listen to that. And from a ranking standpoint. And then after March 1st, 2020, they'll <laughs> use it as crawling and indexing too. So. There's got to be a better word than hint. <laughs> I'm not going back into it. Okay. But the point, the point of the article was really, was really nice. Because I remember back in the day when No Follow came out, Danny, so I remember when No Follow came out initially, Danny was the one spearheading the kind of consortium of saying, hey, let's get more people in on this. Let's get some standards. And this post on, on Yoast is saying, 
why do you just get to make the rules willy nilly? And I don't know, there's some good juxtaposition there, I guess, or mm-hmm. ironic just juxtaposition, I guess. <laughs> but it's a good look at just Google's making the change. You got to do it. Next up, we're just going to keep plowing ahead here. But if you're using a local listing in Google My Business that is distance-based, so you're saying you're within a certain distance of an area, you're now not going to be able to do that anymore. You just have to choose an area. You can't be like, hey, I'm outside of San Francisco. You're San Francisco. Keeping on here. YouTube creators are turning the site into a podcast network, which is a really great article from The Verge. It has cool graphics, A. I love that. You took some time on it. Mm-hmm. And B, there's a lot of good tricks there where they talk about what these YouTubers are doing, taking this content and expanding it off of YouTube. How do you take this and turn it into a podcast? How do you take this YouTube show that you did and cut it up into little bits, right? Like we could, an example would be if we wanted to cut up this no follow, which we're not going to do, we can have me and you ranting or you you know, petrified while I'm ranting about no follow. Mm-hmm. And you could take that and say, what does this mean? And there's just a lot of good tips and tricks. If you've got a show, we started on YouTube and we turned into a podcast. So I thought that was cool. And then just a little vague booking here, or vague, vague potting here. Is that what it's called? Vague potting? I don't, I don't know. We might have some related news here in a week or so about some kind of different networks. So Ooh. stay tuned folks. All right. And lastly, All 50 states' attorneys general joined an antitrust investigation of Google. Bipartisan coalition announced plans to investigate Google's overarching control of online advertising markets. So something to look out on, hopefully, selfishly, from Team Paid here. We don't see any reach taken away. All right, and that brings us to our real-life segment. Straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work. Good, bad, or otherwise this week. Yep. What's been happening with you lately? I found something super simple, but it's awesome. I forgot about the change capitalization tool in Google Ads Editor. And it's a nice just little grammar check. You can change any of your ad copy into title, sentence, or lowercase. So it's kind of like a double check, too, if you want everything to be in title case or sentence case. Ooh, a discount double check? <laughs> you can just apply it. I was actually using like a tool online for this Yeah. for my ads and just forgot it was in there. It's nice. I like the yeah. same case, too, where you've got everything lined up and you want to change something and it just takes it all over. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. All right. And on my accounts, I was doing some targeting within search ads or sorry, observation. Mm-hmm. of some in-market audiences within search ads. And I wanted to see how different audiences were, were performing. It's a newer feature, maybe a month and a half old. We'll put it in the show notes to our show where we discussed it. So I was doing a bunch of observation, and I made a change of one observation to targeting. And I had all these other observations in there in, in that that were running. Everything else turned to targeting, too. Oh my, were you an editor or online? Online. It so, happened to me an editor, but I was hoping it wouldn't happen nope, online. No, it was online. Oh, version. gosh. So if you're doing observation and you change one observation over to targeting, may turn to targeting. So watch out. Now it's time for this week's WTH. This week's WTH comes from Jennings Brown over on Gizmodo. Article is called Wildly Popular Kid YouTube Channel Accused of Deceptively Promoting Products to Millions of Children. There's a nonprofit group called Tina, The Truth in Advertising. I think they just took all of the in 
put it in TNOT. Truth in yeah, advertising. Was, I didn't understand that until you explained. Whatever. They filed a complaint with the FCC saying that Ryan of Toys Review, or Ryan Toys Review, I guess? I don't know. He's possibly the most successful kidfluencer. He didn't know the term kidfluencer was a thing. I knew influencer was, not kidfluencer. It shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. <laughs> but they were accused of being deceptively promoting a multitude of products to millions of preschool-aged children in violation of FTC law. FTC won't let him be. Wow. So Forbes previously had determined, and this is WKH in and of itself, I know. determined that in 2018, Ryan Toys Reviews earned more money than any other YouTuber. That is stunning. According to the assessment, Ryan Toys Review made $22 million. And the videos are made on a budget of 76 cents. Like That's high. <laughs> That's high. <laughs> so Ryan uh, is a little kid. I wouldn't say he's a, he's a particularly... I have no idea where a you're particularly salesy. Like I, I don't even know. Like I don't even know sale. if he's. Re- I wouldn't say he's reviewing it. I think the name's kind of misleading. He's just kind of. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that. In a playing second. with toys. So uh, apparently, Ryan's Toys Reviews has made sponsorship deals with Chuck E. Cheese, Hasbro, Netflix, Nickelodeon, and Walmart. But Tina found that the videos don't always disclose when a post is sponsored. And in some case, cases, the disclosure given is inadequate. From the article, they complained that a preschooler's cognitive ability to identify and understand that they're being presented with marketing materials is generally lacking. I would say so. Shop, I have two preschoolers. <laughs> that, again, is, is, understatement is a huge understatement of the century. <laughs> yes. I watched 30 seconds. Of these god awful videos, it's like all I could take, is- and I can say one thing: there's not one human with the brain that is watching these. A lot, of, and then you got preschoolers; they don't know yeah. anything. You'd have to have Ryan say that this is an ad, then explain what an ad is, and then make in make a, a, a heckin' Schoolhouse Rocks video about ads and what he's trying to do to you, and and, and my kids still wouldn't get it. It's it's the baby yeah. brains. It kind of just feeds into the idea we talked about a couple of weeks ago that you just shouldn't be able to run ads to kids, but it's just you couldn't police that, really. I get it. You should disclose this stuff. But what what, what should people do? Like, you, I guess you can't advertise to people under a certain age, and there's a variety of people that don't, that choose not to do this. Mm-hmm. But then what do you not do? Like, should people not watch videos? To, I guess. Should not have your kids watching videos? Like, it's how too, does it work? It's a very complicated issue. You, you watch the videos? I watched one. Did you like it? <laughs> no. It was really, like, it was really crazy. Would it's, you sign him to so Shep Publishing? for kids. No. He's just running around all over the place. His parents are in it. I just can't even imagine the amount of money they're making from this kid right now and like what they're doing with it it just yeah. seems like a lot and the, the stuff that he's schlepping out there is awful mm-hmm. it's just weird i saw a box stuff. baby toy no, I didn't see that. but at the same time the kids are just enjoying it they're not even right. do you think your kids would even watch one of these videos and want the toy or would they just watch the video I, it's hard to imagine because yeah. my kids are not allowed to so if I, I allowed them to choose what they wanted to watch they might I mean, I could see they're dumb. They're four years old. Right. They don't know anything. They don't know any better. You know, they're four. 
So it's like when you go back and watch Nickelodeon for the first time in a while and you realize how bad the ads are. But, but also, isn't that on me a little bit? Yes. Like if I, I'm totally. so offended by it, it's a little bit on me, right? Like, hey, maybe As a parent, I can, yeah. can I block his little channel or something and, and have maybe just story bots, something educational? Like, I don't know. If you want your kids to watch something educational, like PBS is the only option. Everything else is for profit. I disagree. Storybots is great. Where is Storybots? Netflix. Now, formerly from YouTube by the Jib Jib people. It's a very complicated problem. I'm going to send you some Storybot songs. We'll put them in the show notes. You'll really like them. Okay, I'm sure I will. They have Barbie Life in the Dream House on Netflix, too. It's a great program. Oh, I heard she's a coder. All right. And that brings us to this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something that we found in our travels that we think may be of use to our listeners. And this week's Cool Tool is the weighted sort feature on Google, in Google Analytics. That's not really a tool. It's a tool within a tool. It's a, it's a sorting feature. It's cool. I call it a tool. It's, it's definitely a cool, tool. cool. I agree. This is an algorithm that sorts percentage columns in Google Analytics by their importance instead of their numerical order. And it does this by weighting metrics that have more participants as more accurate than those with fewer. And this results in the expected true value ETV metric. So the example that they show in the article is for bounce rate and they have a page with one visitor and it has a bounce rate of 100%. And they show that that will be listed below a page with 50 visitors that has a bounce rate of 90% because there's more visitors, there's more data. It's more of a picture of what's going on. Yeah. And this is from a, explained really well in a blog post on ira.net. And it, it's until you know that this exists, you don't know what you're missing mm-hmm. because instead of seeing those those zeros all the time on what did worse, you can see the huge drops or, in, in, again, percentage increases. It, it's really, really a cool thing. If you don't know it, again, ira.net, go to the show notes, and that brings us to this week's must-read marketing article of the week. An article is so in-depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. And this week's article comes from kinsta.com. Mateo Duo over on Kinsta has 22 best AdSense alternatives to consider for your website in 2019. Before I speak any longer on this, I'm going to say that I don't endorse any of these because I don't know them, but I do like options. Mateo runs through what Google AdSense is, talks about why people might be looking or why they should look for alternatives to AdSense, and then he covers 22 of the best AdSense alternatives. He additionally runs through YouTube monetization alternatives and then caps it all off by talking about which AdSense alternative is best. So if you're not totally happy with AdSense on your site or you have just some aversion to Google, not that any of us have that here, there's a good blog to say, hey, here are some ways to make money. Maybe some of them are worth testing out, but do so at your co- at your own caution. I, these are not vetted by us here. I just like the option mm-hmm. that Mateo And I didn't us. know there were so many options. So. No. So thank you, Mateo. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from today's show on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If today's show was of value to you, please subscribe, leave a review, or share with a colleague. 
If you are looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. episode of shooting the heck where if you're a famous writer news shows we don't talk about marketing anymore we just shoot the heck and this week we're joined by a bunch of tap dancing rats from above us in the office we can't get out of here soon enough hopefully mm-hmm. in the coming months so apologies for any noise in advance but good news it's everybody's favorite game this week it is a draft because today is friday the 13th we are going to be drafting superstitions and this is going to be a serpentine draft and unfortunately hope our fabulous sound engineer is not with us but we have Kberg Kathleen our fill-in sound engineer who's going to join as well hello and Kathleen you're going to be able to pick first and we're all going to pick four superstitions did you guys know that tonight is the first full moon on Friday the 13th since 2000 and it won't happen again for another 30 years oh Spooky. Buckle up, as Shep said earlier. Buckle up, folks. All right. Kathleen, it's your turn for a pick. What is your superstition pick? And this is a serpentine draft, so it'll go to me, and then back to you, and you'll have two picks next time. Okay. If you want a snow day, you have to put a spoon in the freezer. Is that real? It is real. I've never heard that. We flushed ice cubes down the toilet. I've heard that one, too. I didn't know that. Or wore our pajamas inside out. Yep. The spoon is most effective, though. Okay. Spoon getting snow days. I need, to, I need to write these down here. Okay. Shop, what is your pick? Okay, so my first one would be the Stevie Wonder song, but I don't think that's allowed. What does that mean? The Superstition no song. Oh, you can you can count that. It's a great Motown beat. Wait, I can really take it? Yeah, you can take that. It's Best Superstitions. Yeah, I'm taking it. Okay. I mean, again, I didn't know it, so you not the best game theory You've never there. heard that song? No, no, I've heard the song. I didn't. I didn't even think about that. So okay, you could have well, pocketed no, that. No, I'm happy with my last. choice. Okay, my first superstition is the fact that you have higher odds of getting hit by a train if you park on the train tracks. <laughs> I feel like that's a fact. Yeah, never mind. That's a joke. I okay, my real no, it, it is serious. That was a joke. Okay, my my first real superstition is the best superstition. Okay, and it is if you spill salt, you throw it over your shoulder. It is insane. Like, you, you, you make a mistake and you just start a food fight over your shoulder. <laughs> it is the dumbest thing. And I did this. Wait, so That's why I picked it, too. it's your least favorite. I thought we were picking the best. It, it best is it's subjective. Worse. Okay. And I say that... Or objective? Best is objective. Okay. Well, no, no. It's, I said it right. I think either might work. Well, best is... Yeah. It is great. It is the best superstition because people make a mistake... And then instead of like just quickly cleaning it up, you pour salt in your hand, and you throw it at the, <laughs> I forgot about behind this you. That's the dumbest superstition ever and the best. <laughs> so my next superstition, I'm going to do a little game theory here. I have one I really want to pick, but I think it's going to make it back to me. So my next superstition is that you don't see your partner on your wedding day. Mm-hmm. Not at all. No, you see them before, after the wedding, like well, during not, not the wedding. Well, not before. Okay. You can't see them anytime that this day This one isn't a thing anymore, really. Really? Yeah, like, it's very common to do um, the first look. Okay, so you're newlywed. Yeah. Did your husband see you before you came down the aisle? He, okay, so technically that rehearsal dinner went, like, past midnight. 
<laughs> the tap dancing so is if we're talking us. technically yes there was actually like an incident at the rehearsal dinner involving chicken fingers um yeah but that that's okay so, so then no it was very okay. important to him and so this is a superstition you partake in yeah you're you you keep this going yeah but i'm telling you as a society i'm like old-fashioned people do these first look photos where they are like <sighs> seeing each other for the first time, and it's like this whole photo shoot. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, that's the new thing. Okay, so I've got. Um, now it's your turn. I picked two picks. Okay, I actually kind of believe this one that bad things happen in threes. Okay, mm, I think that's true. Yeah. It's fact. <laughs> Is that a fact? I, I literally fact. hold my like two bad things happen. One bad things happen. When one bad thing happens, I'm like, okay, whatever. When two happen, I hold my breath and wait for the third. I really believe it. Does hmm. it have to be like three bad things that happen to you, or can it be three bad things that are happening to people around you? It's either celebrity deaths are a big one. They always die in threes. Always. Like, who was the third with Farrah Fawcett and Michael Jackson? <laughs> Ralph Macchio? I, I don't remember, but it was someone. Um... Yeah, but bad things just always happen in threes. Hmm. Like the new iPhone cameras. Three of them. Oh, there's three cameras on the iPhone? I don't even pay attention anymore. Uh, okay. I just right. know I can get bad the other one for cheaper. K-Berg, a.k.a. Kathleen. Ed McMahon. Um, Ed McMahon. <laughs> day. I mean, he's right in your wheelhouse there, Murder, She Wrote. I don't know who he is. Uh, really? <laughs> no. Okay. Okay, I would pick "Don't Walk Under a Ladder" as my second superstition. Okay, that's, that's a good. That just sounds like good advice. I agree, and here's another thing: I participate in that, so I can't hate that's on that lot. pick. Because if I see a ladder, again, it's a good advice. The thing could fall down. <laughs> yeah, it's like the number one le- cause of injury in America. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe there's bad luck, probably due to actual causational numbers of idiots walking under ladders and then falling out and hurting them. All right. I like that. Kberg, what's your what's your third third pick here? Do you remember like um the Bloody Mary thing like from when you were in elementary school? With the, the mirror. Superstition, yeah, where oh, if you go in the mirror like at that. a certain time at night and you say Bloody Mary like three times, she'll appear. I don't mess with that. Yeah. That's scary. That's pretty good. Okay. I thought it was going to be about some kind of drinks, like you need to have bacon in your Bloody Mary or something. No. You see all those? It's like a, it's like it's a like entire you're asking, platter in your Bloody Mary. That's like some witchcraft stuff. I don't mess with that. Okay. okay. Shep, your third pick? I mean, cats are creepy, so like I don't want to see a black cat. See, I had that, but I think that is furthering the notion that people don't adopt black cats because they're bad luck. And so I think you're killing cats by picking that pick. Cats don't die when they're not adopted. They're out on my fire escape. All the time. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I think black cats are the uh, like the only good cats, probably because they've had to adapt due to this dumb superstition. Yeah, if I had to pick a cat, I'd pick a black cat because they're the coolest. That's actually a good theory. Like they had to, they have to be the coolest. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to feed them. Okay, and my last, oh, I have two two picks here, and then it's gonna come back your way. So this is my absolute favorite superstition. That's just. I've talked about on the show before of how dumb society actually is. 
is that we don't have 13th floor in hotels. Oh, yeah. That is the absolute dumbest <laughs> thing. There's a floor that's the 13th floor. And you think by making the button in the elevator say 14 that you've bypassed this and that it's not the 13th floor? I Sorry, if you're in it. the 14th floor, you're on the 13th floor, shop. I don't want to stay on either. Okay, well then don't pick the 14th floor then. You can't just get rid of a floor unless you actually get rid of a floor and waste all that real estate, but nobody in their right mind is going to waste that real estate. It's the dumbest thing to have a 13th floor and have it be super cool. You'll get a bunch of weirdos. Yeah, some Jess people will go like haunted stuff too. You think Jess, Jess would absolutely pick oh, the 13th floor? Oh, she would. Okay. I would not. All right. And my last pick, I'm picking this is similar to your superstition pick. I'm picking this just because I've never picked one before. I've spent so much time on the ground digging through grass looking for a four-leaf clover. I've never found a four-leaf clover. Have you found one before? Yeah, I've found one. Never. Never in my life have I found a four-leaf clover. But they're like... I'm I'm Irish, too. If you're Irish, you wouldn't call it a four-leaf clover. You'd call it a shamrock. Whatever. I'm saying the fact... And the three is the the thing. I do it with my kids now, and I tell them about it. I still have not found one. That's crazy. So this is the first time I've actually picked a four-leaf clover. Oh, I get it. There we go. I found plenty. Okay. Well, la-di-da. What's your last <laughs> pick, Chef? Um, I had the latter one. I guess the broken mirror. That's supposed to be bad, right? Seven years wait, of bad luck. Like, or you're just ugly. But <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, 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 wait. You just look in the mirror and you're like, oh, my God, I'm ugly. <laughs> ah, it's such, this is awful. It's superstitious. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I guess I'll take that. Okay. All right. Uh, hot take. All right, Kathleen, what is your final answer? So if you wait until 11-11, you have, like, four wishes for every one, and you have to, like, say all the wishes within that minute. What? Otherwise, if you don't, then, like, none of your wishes come true. So it's like the opposite. I've heard 11-11 make a wish. But I've heard four wishes. Like one for every one. That's greedy. But here's, here's a, greedy. just a little game theory here. Maybe you just start at 11-12 and you put an alarm on and every minute you just make another wish. Like it's f- to get that many wishes, it's fine. You could take nine minutes and all of a sudden you have nine wishes. Like why would you wait? And does like it have waiting to be in your time Because you have like it's 11-11. Like there's four ones. It's a wish for every one. Oh, that's, that's a lot. Dumb. But then I feel like unlimited. Has is a this lot. ever worked out for you? No. Okay. Wait, here's there, a, that's here's all another, I need to know. Here's another dumb thing. Wishes. Wishes. <laughs> <laughs> so I sit here and wish. I'm not going to do it 11 times because I'm going to get three wishes. I just got to wait and optimize my wishes. <laughs> all right. Well, here is the final school, final lineups that we have. Kathleen and her introductory. Shooting the heck here. She has a spoon in the freezer to make yeah, a snow day. That works. I'm telling you. That you don't walk under a ladder and that you can talk Bloody Mary into a mirror at night <laughs> and Bloody Mary will come up. You don't want to do that. Oh, that you don't want to. <laughs> and then also you get three extra wishes if you make a wish at 11-11. Shep, <laughs> here is her list. Superstition by Stevie Wonder. The bad things come in three. The black cats are evil and you shouldn't adopt them, according to Shep. And that a mirror either brings you bad luck or makes you ugly. (laughs) (laughs) And then my lineup is that if you spill salt, instead of cleaning up, you throw it over your shoulder. (laughs) On a wedding day, you can't see your bride or groom who you're going to be with the rest of your life. 
we can't have a 13th floor, although every 14th floor is a 13th floor in hotels. And a four-leaf plover was my final pick. So let us know who won, and we will see you next week.